Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Holy Spirit, speak again as you have for countless generations. Speak again through your word and make my words be yours, that we might be built up in faith and pointed again to the one who lived and died and rose for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Yes, every bit of God's word, as Second Timothy tells us, is God-breathed, inspired by God, useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness, that we can be equipped for every good work. Yes, yes, yes. But some parts of scripture lend themselves easier than other parts, right? So we're digging into some of those harder uh, parts to, to maybe find out, okay, God, why do you have that there, and what do you want to teach us through that? So today we're looking at uh, two weird or weirder miracles from the prophet Elisha, who was after the prophet Elijah, and they cover a vast span of the Old Testament and 1 Kings, 2 Kings, but, but the first one of Elisha is with this axe head. And I'm going to, in some ways, give you two small appetizers to the larger entree of where we're going with this. First is this, uh, the axe head. We'll spend just a brief moment on that. This group of uh, prophet disciples that Elisha has, many prophets had that. Uh, we know that Samuel did as well. And they're training up the next generation of those who will speak God's word to God's people. And they say, hey, can we go build, uh, we don't have space, can we go build a, a cabin uh, down by the river? Jordan River it says yes. And then one has a borrowed axe. And it, it seems really mundane. He's, he's chopping with a borrowed axe. It, it flings off and uh, sunk. Valuable in a dirty river, you can't find it. Valuable piece of equipment, gone, and his livelihood, he'd have debt, consequences, all those things. And yet it does seem kind of mundane. It doesn't seem that as, I can't make iron float. Obviously a miracle, we can't, but it, it doesn't seem as spectacular as some of the other ones. What's going on there? Well, I'll never know all, but one thing that it teaches me is this. No detail is unseen by God. No detail of your life is unseen by God. Now, there are times when things don't go our way, and uh, whatever your uh, figurative axe head sinking into the water is in your life, sometimes we pray and it, it doesn't float. And yet, it doesn't mean God doesn't see, doesn't hear, doesn't care, doesn't love you. Every detail. So I love that stories are there, uh, even though uh, we all have situations, just like everybody in the Bible, where God doesn't give them the miracle they hoped for, the prayer answer that they wanted. Yet everything is seen and known by God. No detail of your life is unseen. God cares and sees it all. Okay, that's one. If you have, who knew the axe head story? Some of you? Yeah, all right. And I'll, I'll assume the rest of you are being humble. You just didn't want to raise your hand. Second story is the death of Elisha. Elisha dies and is buried and then works a miracle after he is dead. Now that's pretty, I'd say that's pretty good. But Elisha doesn't have this grand chariot exit like Elijah 
Right? Elijah hands over the prophet, lead prophet torch to Elisha and uh, is taken, one of two we know of in the scripture, is taken to heaven without facing physical death here. And you'd think that Elisha, who has done even more and greater things, might have some glorious future death, not death, awaiting him. No. It says Elisha gets sick, old, and dies. One small thing I see here is that God has different lots in life for each of us. And they're not all the same. And some, like Elijah, have some grand chariot exit, and it's used, uh, and it's told to us, and, and it encourages us in faith, and God has a purpose for that. Elisha gets old, gets sick, and he dies. God gives different lots to each of us, get different privileges to serve and different blessings so that we can bless others. And we don't get to choose those, but we do get to steward those that are given to us. Okay, so this guy then is hastily thrown into Elisha's tomb after he dies. It says, Elisha died, and they buried him. Now bands of Moabites used to invade the land. In the spring of the year, and as a man was being buried, behold, a marauding band was seen, and a man was thrown into the grave of Elisha. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. And then the story goes on. Two verses, that's it. But what a, what a wild story. Before we get to uh, more of the wild, it sounds like a weird horror movie, right? Where like people keep coming back to life that shouldn't be alive anymore. And uh, I, don't, I don't remember seeing the Bible movie version of this. But Elisha, after he is dead, God uses maybe to do his greatest miracle after the many recorded by him. Now that gives me something to think about. Have you ever considered that maybe your greatest influence on other people might be after you die? Have you ever considered that? I'm often thinking of how do I influence people that God puts around me now and, and how do you make your life count for the gospel now? Vincent Van Gogh, how many paintings did he sell in his lifetime? Anybody know the answer? And he was poor. Poet Emily Dickinson, out of the, I think, nearly 2,000 poems published now, seven in her lifetime, and she was famously very poor. If only they could have experienced the royalties and painting sales they would have had now, right? Have you ever thought that maybe your greatest blessings to other people might actually happen after you die? Could it be that your prayers on your knees in prayer for your children or grandchildren to know the Lord, maybe, just maybe, they won't be answered until after you die. And maybe they remember your faithfulness and your Christ-like influence because your Christ-like influence and love on other people will far outlive you. And certainly for writers who have left something behind, their, their words far outlive and influence far outlive themselves. Or every one of us is sitting in a seat that is in part made possible by someone who is already with the Lord. Who's looking around at a church building. People that have long been with the Lord now have, have given 
money and put time and sweat with their hands to build the church, to put hymnals in front of you, to put seats for you, and even, uh, even the screens that help us worship. Uh, something I got to witness when we were doing the project, someone who was near death said, hey, I have something for you, and they gave money to help make that possible. And so someone that's been dead many years now is still blessing you and I to worship the Lord. Have you ever thought that your godly influence might far outlive you? A number of years ago, someone who influenced me died younger than I thought they should have. And it was at their funeral, the pastor who did the funeral played some of this person's audio sermon clips. So they literally preached their own funeral, which means they actually preached the gospel to other people at their own funeral. Now, here's really where I want to go with this story. Elisha, the great prophet, dies, and he's buried. And some random guy, whose name we don't know, who's killed in battle... Just gets tossed in because another band says another band of raiders is coming. And so they're probably trying to give him a proper burial. And it's like, oh, quick, they're coming. Open the stone of Elisha's, heave the guy in, close it. And yet when he gets thrown into his grave, he springs to life. He's alive. The dead raised to life. Now we don't know this guy's name. We have two verses. We don't know his name. We don't know anything about his family. We don't know what he did other than having to defend his land there. We don't know about his wife or his children or other professions. We don't know anything about him. And he did nothing to bring himself back. And the reason he's in the Bible isn't because of something he did, but because of something done to him. He comes back to life because of who he is buried with. I think there's something for us there. You see, Elisha, like everyone, everybody, every story in the Old Testament, is pointing to something greater. Elijah, the great prophet, handed the mantle to Elisha, and they're looking forward to Jesus, who fulfills all of the prophets, the one great prophet, the word made flesh, God come near for us. And so, Elisha... And Jesus have so many parallels that people saw right away. Oh, wow, uh, John the Baptist looks like Elijah. Does that make Elisha be pointing to Jesus? Well, let's see about that. Elisha, when he's handed the mantle of head prophet from Elijah, asks for a double portion of God's spirit. What all that means, I don't know. But I do know it means Whatever Elijah's done, I want to keep doing it. I want to be faithful and do the same kind of ministry. But what then happens is Elisha is recorded having done twice the number of miracles as Elijah. So it seems like he's done a double portion that is of the work God's done through him, which probably you thought wasn't possible because Elijah was the great prophet. But then you look at some of the miracles that Elisha does are the same kinds that Jesus does. They both, of their ministries, start at the Jordan River. They both raise a woman's son from the dead. They both feed masses with very little food. They both turned a small amount of liquid into a lot 
uh, Elisha is oil to a vessel, Jesus, water to wine. They both heal people with leprosy. They both make sinking things float. Elisha, the axe head, Jesus walks on water and allows Peter to. Interestingly, both Elisha and Jesus are betrayed by someone close to them for money. Uh, The story I didn't read has a bit of Elisha's servant Gehazi, after the story of Naaman that Pastor Schultz preached on a few weeks ago, says, ooh, I could make money off this. And he, and he goes behind Elisha's back to try to get money. Both Elisha and Jesus heal people's sight, people that were blind. And at the end of their lives, both of their deaths bring new life. So Elisha's tomb becomes a place of resurrection. The guy that's thrown in, when he touches the bones of Elisha, is is brought back to life. Well, Jesus' tomb, he himself raises from the dead. He comes back to life. And guess what? Jesus walks out of the tomb and promises new life to all who trust in him. So yes, Jesus is in every way the new and greater Elisha that all of Elisha's ministry and miracles looked forward to. Jesus does greater miracles, similar but even greater, raises himself from the dead and promises to raise you too. You see, this nameless man who's thrown into Elisha's tomb and then comes back to life, he doesn't regain his life because of who he is or anything he does. He is resurrected because of who he ends up being buried with. Do you know that the Bible says in Romans 6, if you are baptized, you have been buried with Jesus. If you've been baptized, you've been buried with Jesus Not just a great prophet, but the word made flesh. You have been united to Jesus' life, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, and everything that he has done becomes yours. Romans 6 says it this way. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him. By baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Who you are buried with matters more than a whole lot of other things in your life that you might think matter. You see, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done where you were born, what your family tree is like, if it is a proud one that's done great things or a uh, one that hides a lot of shame, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your income level, your, your education, your degrees, your accomplishments. What matters is if you are buried with Jesus, you'll come back to life. And it also means that it doesn't matter what you feel buried by. Maybe you've been buried by worry and anxiety. Your future has changed quickly and and you don't know what the days and weeks in the future look like. That can be burying. Or work pressure. You got through the immediate COVID stuff and then it just, the treadmill of work is faster and faster and and the pressure just mounts. Or, Or 
Maybe your debt feels burying, or your failure, you just can't get out of your mind. Or the relationship that, that you hurt and don't know how to repair. Or your pain, or, or your sin, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what you feel buried by. You can have hope, and you can have new life, not because of something that you do or can do, but something done to you. You are buried with Jesus. And it's Jesus who lived perfectly in your place, was crucified sacrificially for you, and rose victoriously for you. If you are buried with him, you'll come back to life. And so it doesn't matter what has killed you, metaphorically or physically, or what will kill you. If you are buried with Jesus, you'll come back to life. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So on the one hand, while I wish we had a lot more details about this story with Elisha, because it's rather wild, in another sense, we don't need it. The man in that story is nameless for a reason. There's only one name that matters, and it's, for him, it's the power of God through Elisha that raised him up. And for you and me, more in a sense, that's us, right? The name that matters isn't my name so much, but the name of the one with whom I am buried, and that's Jesus. Your life is not measured by what you are buried by, but who you are buried with. Or for all of you English people, who have been correcting me so far, with whom you are buried. If it's Jesus, you'll come back to life. And so may the peace of Christ, which does go beyond all of our understandings, may it guard and keep your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.